Well, hello. Welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. My name is Jeff Bruce. I'm joined once again by John Bruce. We're both Bruces. We're both pastors. We're both here. We're going to talk about habits. Dad, how's it going? Good. Good. Good to be here. Good. Well, Dad, I don't want to waste the listener's time with any <laughs> Niner-related questions today. Good. Uh, but a Warriors-related question, <laughs> now that the NFL season is over, is this slump, Dad? Is this a bug or a feature? This is, this is just a result of all their big guys being injured and the little guys getting beaten up yep. for over at long... They just need a rest. Yeah. They'll, all be, they'll all be fine. The, all those little 6'5 and 6'6 six, six guys on the team just getting hammered, the right? Puny we need the, guys. the puny guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, we are back to continue our four-part series on the practice of prayer. Dad, I'd say every Christian knows they're supposed to pray, yet every Christian I've met struggles to pray. And so the question we're grappling with is, how do you pray? And, and what skills or habits do we need to build to make this a more consistent part of our lives? That's what we're trying to, to answer here. And, and we're looking at each of the four different kinds of prayer mentioned in the Bible. The Bible talks about at least four different ways of praying or kinds of praying. There's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And the easiest way to remember all those is under the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. Adoration is adoring God, praising God for who He is. Confession is telling God about our sins, about our failures. Thanksgiving is praising God for what He's done. And supplication is asking God to do things in our lives or in the lives of others. So we're looking at each of these four. We started last week with adoration, the first letter of the acronym. And this week, we're going to talk about confession. And Dad, I thought it would be apropos to start this podcast with a confession of my own, <laughs> and that's that I haven't spent much time prepping for this episode of the podcast. Uh, but I did have one thought. did have one thought, and it's where I'd like to start. I think one reason Christians don't routinely confess their sins to God is because they don't understand why confession is necessary. And the reasoning goes something like this. On the cross, Jesus died for all my sins, past, present, and future. And as God says in the Bible, your sins and your lawless deeds, I will remember no more. And so why, as a Christian, would I spend time confessing sin to God that he has already forgiven on the cross? And why not spend time just praising God for the forgiveness I already have? Why, why dwell on the negative? What's the point of confession if confession isn't necessary to have a right status before God? I, I think that thought, even if it wasn't articulated like that, might be lurking in the back of believers' minds and, and might make them less interested in developing this uh, habits. What would you say to that? I, I think that while your sins have been forgiven, that your sin daily, your daily sin can interrupt your fellowship with God. Um, and I, I, I refer to 1 John 1 for that. And, and John writes in verses 6 and 7, if we say we have fellowship with him, 
uh, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so the idea here is, is our daily fellowship with God is what John is talking about. And he says that to be in daily fellowship with God, I need to walk in the light. Now, walking in the light is not living a sinless life because he says, if we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. So there's sin in the light. Right. So what is walking in the light? I, I think the light exposes. The, and so walking in the light is walking in truth before God and being honest with God uh, about our sins and our failures and things like that so that we can be daily cleansed from those sins. As long as I hide from those sins or refuse to acknowledge those sins, those sins will continue to reign over me. So that constant, all the word confession means is to agree with. Mm -hmm. So to be in fellowship with God, I need to be agreeing with him when I step outside the, uh, the lines here so that I can be cleansed of those sins. So I, Tertullian said, I, I was born to repent. And uh, that really the way we grow as Christians is by continually acknowledging the sins that the, the Spirit of God points out to us and repenting of those sins. And, and uh, that's the way we not only experience fellowship with God, but we experience cleansing. And I, for me, uh, I will. I cannot experience the real presence of God without confession. It's just, I think, it's really the, one of the most important things I do mm-hmm. uh, is is to confess. Yeah, the thesis of First John: I write these things to you that you may know you have eternal life. Uh, I think that's chapter five yeah. somewhere. But extending that to what he says here. One sign that you are saved is that you have a regular rhythm of confessing your sin. Yeah. And the distinction I would make um, to help clarify this is the difference between our union with Christ and our communion with Christ, to yeah. understand the need for confession. Yeah. Union with Christ is the status of our relationship. It's who we are in Christ, positionally, because of what He has done. And because of Christ's work, we stand before God holy, righteous, and pure— we are uh, invincibly secure in Christ because of what he's done. That's the status of the relationship. That's union. Communion is the health of the relationship. Yeah. And uh, you can have a, a solid marriage, and there's no threat of divorce, and yet you can be at odds with your spouse about something. You, you can be a, a parent, and the child is in no danger of losing their sonship, <laughs> or daughtership, right? And yet you can have an estranged relationship. And in the same way, we can have the status of relationship with God, and yet the experience of relationship can be off. It can be unhealthy. And that's why confession is so necessary, is to reestablish communion, the warmth, the vitality of the relationship. And I think there's a danger for Christians if they so focus on union, they don't realize that what we do does have an impact on our relationship with God. Yeah. That God does respond differently to us in different situations, even as Christians, on the basis of what we do. And he will discipline us for disobedience. We can grieve the Spirit of God as Christians, 
Paul says. We can please God with our actions, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. And, and so I wouldn't want believers to get the idea that because I have a secure status before God, then the relationship has no dynamic to it, no interaction. That's not the way that the New Testament describes our yeah. relationship with God. And just like any other relationship, what we do has an impact on the intimacy of the relationship. And so that's why confession is so necessary. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's helpful to understand that it is not sin that takes me out of fellowship with God. It is my refusal to acknowledge that sin that takes me out of fellowship with God. So what typically happens is you become a Christian, and you don't know much about God, you don't know much about the Christian life, and so uh, God, the first sin God convicts you of maybe is stop kicking the dog, or you know, um, stop cheating on your taxes, or just you know some really basic stuff. But the longer you walk with God, the more from his word you understand what the will of God is. And so, but I get out of fellowship, I move from light into darkness when God says, this is a sin, and I say, I don't care. And I'm, and I'm stepping into darkness at that point, and until I confess and come back and say, okay, you were right, I was wrong, this is a sin, I confess this sin, and I thank you for forgiving me, I'm, I'm in darkness. And so I think confession is far more for us than it is for God. It is, it is acknowledging the power of sin in me and that I need his help constantly. And so I'm walking with him, and he will, you know, he just says, wait a minute, you're, you're getting off the path here. And as long as I say, right, I am off the path, and I confess that, that I'm right, that I'm in the light all that time. But that means for an older Christian, it may be you're just having a cranky day. You're being ungrateful. You're 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 bemoaning. That's all it takes to get you out in the darkness. While as as a young Christian, you know th- those things are overlooked because you don't even know you're supposed to do that. Yeah. It, it is. But it's when you willfully continue in a direction you know God doesn't want you to go. That's when I step from light into darkness. Yeah. That's why confession is so important. Yeah. I mean, I'd say for me, dog kicking is still the stronghold. Yeah. Um, I don't have a dog, but just looking for other but people's if you dogs. you had one. Just looking for other people's dogs to kick. I just can't resist as I'm walking down the street. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I kid. I, you know, on the hierarchy of sins, that, that's, a, that's a high one in the Bay Area. So, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't kick dogs, my own uh, nor others. So that's if you're good. not listeners. Um, but, yeah, I think something that stood out to me there is the connection between confession, light, and darkness. And you said confession is for us. I think that it gets to another reason we confess. If I do not acknowledge my sin before God, I live in darkness, my entire view of reality gets warped. Yes. I lose my sober-mindedness as a Christian. Yeah. And you have to invent justifications for your own sin Yeah. Um, to be okay with it. And, and what the heart wants, the mind justifies. And so the longer I walk in sin, the more mental justifications I need to make for my behavior, and the further I get from living in God's truth, and the more I'm hardened against him and really deceived in the way that I'm living, that there's a way that seems right to a man, but its way is death. And so the reason to confess, it's not just intimacy with God, but in a sense for our own sanity, our own spiritual sanity as believers. Yeah, just living in reality. It's living in reality, agreeing with God, walking in the light so I can see things clearly. Because when I veer from that, I can very easily get into kind of crazy town. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and start to come up with all sorts of reasons why my um, 
anger is okay, my lust is okay, my whatever is is really justified because I'm yeah. a, I'm a special case. All the ways of a man are right in his own sight. Yeah, and and that's just the nature of the flesh. Yeah, we always think we're right, and 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 so it, we need we need to humble ourselves and to really examine our behavior and our attitudes and our heart before the Word of God to see what does God say about this, rather than, because I'll always think I'm right. I'll always find a good reason to do that. What are some reasons you think that Christians, because I, I tend to think, if I just go by my conversations with Christians, I find that most Christians, at least with me, are not real open about sins they're struggling with or failures or stuff like that. It's just like everything is fine. And, and, and to me, it's the rare believer who can say, oh, yeah, I, I'm really struggling with this, or I, you know, I did this. That they, People seem more unaware yeah. than, than resistant. And I'm just wondering, why do you think it's hard for Christians to confess their sins on a regular basis? Yeah, well, what you're not aware of, you can't confess. I'd say that's number one. Yeah. And so if you are not routinely in the Word, you will not know what to confess. Yeah. Um, you, we do not know what we should be convicted of yeah. until the Word makes it clear. And yeah. so if you don't have a normal habit of reading the Bible, you're not just going to know intuitively, oh, that's wrong or that's wrong. Yeah. It's, it's the sort of the Spirit that's going to divide flesh from bone and really pierce your heart and go, yeah. oh, well, I'm falling short of God's standard here, not my own yeah. standard. So that's one reason I would so say. So it's just ignorance. So you're, you're really in the darkness there. And yeah, that's another form of, of the darkness, right? Yeah. You don't know what you need to repent you're of. You're blind of it, yeah. I think another reason is if, if you haven't developed a habit of confession, you're not sensitized to your own sin. Yeah, yeah. It's not until you bring it into the light of God and let him deal with it, that you are cleansed, yeah. as yeah. John says in 1 John. Yeah. And so when you are um, ignoring it, um, I, I, I would say it this way, part of the sinfulness of sin is our propensity to downplay sin. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not just that we sin, it's that we sinfully justify the sin. Yeah. And... And so confession is what brings us back into reality. It sobers us, and it sensitizes exactly. us. And I, I would say, too, that I think when a lot of people read the Bible, they look at it through the lens of, what do I need to do next, rather than, how am I failing to do this? Yeah. And so they're so focused on, what do I apply, what do I apply, that they're not struck by, here's what you are failing to apply. Right. Here's where you have fallen short. Right. And that's really the first step in reading the Bible is where do I fall short? Because until you hear the bad news, then the gospel won't be good news, and you won't have the right motivation then yeah. to obey. Yeah. Well, so like you said, it's, it, is a, it is a habit, and the more we practice it, the better we get at it. And then also, the, the reproof of Scripture is, is often a step we skip. All Scripture is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Well, if we, if we skip the reproof, step. Where do I fall short? We can't get to the correction step or the training in righteousness because there's nothing to do. There's nothing know? to correct. There's nothing to correct because we haven't taken the time to look at where we're failing. And that brings us to another issue, I think, is that I think a lot of Christians hate to feel guilty. And, and so they resist anything they feel like makes them feel bad about themselves or, or um, attacks their self-image or all these things. 
rather than glorying in the cross, right. and, that, and that, that I have been cleansed once and for all. God has perfected me for all time, and so I have the freedom now to look at my failures uh, objectively, because those failures are not going to condemn me. They're not going to keep me out of heaven. They're just ruining my life now. And so, and I want to, <laughs> and I, and I kind of look at, look at it like golf. Um, when I play golf by myself, I really get mad because I keep hitting the ball wrong. And it, it just makes me mad because I think I should hit it perfectly and I don't. But when I play golf with a golf instructor, those errors are not a threat to me because he helps me to correct those errors mm-hmm. so that I can play a better game. And I kind of see confession that way. I want to play a better game. And so I need to see my mistakes and my sins and my, my errors, and that God gently shows them to me, and I, oh, okay, I, I agree with that. So how do, I, how do I correct that? So I think the whole issue of self-image and being secure in our position with Christ and because of the cross, because, of the, uh, because God has credited his righteousness to us, we don't have to be threatened by our failures, but rather can, can embrace those failures, and, and let's see how to correct them now. Yeah, I've noticed, I, I think that's true. I, I've noticed a, a shift. It's, it used to be that people talked about the things we do that bring shame and guilt are the problem. And that's been transferred in our culture now to feelings of shame and guilt are the problem. Yeah. So if you feel guilty or you feel ashamed, oh, that's toxic. Yeah. No, there could be toxic shame there, but but how do you deal with feelings of guilt and shame? You look at the cross. You don't look at yourself. Yeah. And, and and so when we are accused by Satan, then we go to the cross and we look at that, and that's the ground of our assurance. Then we don't look inside and go, well, just remember, you're worthy and you're wonderful and you're all of these things. It's no, here's who I am in Christ. Here's what He's done. I look to Christ and His finished work, yeah. and because I am hidden in Him, I now have confidence. Yeah. And so I think um, if you assume, A, that shame and guilt are always horrible, and B, uh, that unpleasant feelings or conviction are equal to feeling shame and guilt, then you'll avoid it all the time. Because you'll think, oh, that's not healthy. But it's actually the healthiest way to live is in the conviction of the Spirit, which is going to be unpleasant, because you're going to see how you fall short. And then that's what forces you then to deal with it, either in a healthy way yeah. or an unhealthy way. The yeah. unhealthy way is despair and despondency, and uh, the healthy way is to go to the cross and rejoice in the cross and, and your assurance there. Yeah. But, but a critical step in that is also to confess, yes, there are things that are objectively wrong that I have done. I yeah. have fallen short of God's standard, but here's why that doesn't define who I am exactly. because of Christ. So I think... You have to be willing to go through that, and if you're not, you never, you, you never learn to appreciate the gospel yeah. in your own life. And so I think one reason Christians aren't excited about the gospel is because they just don't see their sin as a big issue yeah. and as a big need to be dealt with. Yeah. No, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be, they shall be comforted. If you're not mourning, you're not going to experience the comfort. Right. And, and the only people who don't experience shame and guilt are sociopaths. Um, you know, it's not a healthy thing not to experience shame and guilt, even though it's un- unpleasant. Right. Yeah. It, it, you know, it used to be that a person who was shameless is the most dangerous person to be around. Exactly. Right? You want to avoid a... <laughs> a shameless person. Right. So, um, yeah, clearly there are forms of shame and, and guilt that are very corrosive, but that doesn't mean that shame and guilt are, uh, you know, 
inherently bad things. No, they, they, they have an objective basis yeah. in, in falling short of God's standard. It's just, what do you do with shame and exactly. guilt? And what you do is you, is you go to the cross yeah. for your assurance. So. And I think there's a, it's good to, to be able to discern between the voice of the Spirit convicting you of sin and the voice of the adversary um, attacking you and accusing you. Yeah, so, so how do you distinguish between conviction and condemnation? Um, several ways. One is, is through the Scripture. If, if I feel guilty for something that the Scripture says nothing about, then I just figure that's coming from the adversary. Because if the Scriptures contain everything I need for life and godliness, I don't need to add rules. Right. I don't need to add things to them. Second of all, I, I find that, that when there is just an overwhelming sense of despair when there, there's no answer that, that I'm trapped. That's not coming from God. That's, that's coming, that's coming from the evil one that mm-hmm. God always motivates me. Look, there's hope. You can, all you have to do is repent. All you have to do is confess. There's, there's an answer to this. So when it's coming from Satan, there's no answer there. It, you just feel trapped when it's coming from God. There is all the, the hope in the world. So, and then the third thing is I find that when God convicts, it's always very specific. You know the sin. You know the command you disobey. When, when Satan accuses you, it's, it's more of a general feeling, uh, malaise. Because, Here's what you are. Yeah, exactly. And what do you do with that? Yeah, what do you do with that? So if, uh, practically speaking, if there's no answer, it's coming from Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if there is an answer, if there is a solution, it's coming from God. Yeah, I like the way... Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 7, that yeah. godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that, that there's mourning, there's grief over sin, because you see it as evil, you see that you've fallen short, but it produces repentance without regret. Yeah. So, so there's a joy, there's a relief of the burden. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. Yeah, I think a good example of that, Peter versus Judas. Yep. Um, the, 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 the conviction of the Spirit... Versus the the sorrow of the world, right. sorrow of sin. One produced life, the other produced death. And and what's so interesting is the similarity between what they do. Yeah, it, they both sell out Christ. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah, a- and yet their responses really illustrate that difference between the hope of grace versus the despair of guilt. Yeah. So exactly. Good. So how how do we confess when we're in prayer what yeah. are some practices we can do to to build this habit it's a good question um practically i start with psalm 139 uh, 23 through 24 search me O god know my heart try me and know my anxious thoughts see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting way i can't know my heart yep according to the scripture i can't know my way only god can reveal it to me so i have to come to him and say, I need you to show me these things. And then secondly, just to be, like you said, be in the Scripture, um, and, and always be aware of, well, how am I doing on this? How am I doing on this? And just to, to confess any time I find, okay, well, I don't do that, or I've, I've failed to do that, or I have committed that, that's helpful. And then, so what I do practically on that is, is several things, is I pray through a proverb a day, and I use that as, as a time of confession, as well as wisdom. I, I pray through the commands of the New Testament on a regular basis. Um, I'll do a page of commands every day. I, ju- I just collected all the commands of the New Testament, and I pray through those. Um, and I, I really like some of the books by the Puritans are just helpful to me to, to get to heart issues. And I'm, right now I'm liking uh, Precious Remedies uh, 
for Satan's devices. And I just go through a page of that every day and use that as a, as a, a stimulus of things to, to confess and to, to search my own heart on. So I think little aids like that, but you want objective things that point out what the Scripture says are sins, I find are much more helpful to me than searching my heart and trying to find sin by looking at it without having an, some objective measure. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I do the proverb a day plan, and that often um, guides my confession. Mm-hmm. So yesterday I was in Proverbs 15, and usually what I'll do is just wait for the verse that jumps out at me yeah. that, that makes clear where I fall short. Yeah, And so yeah. uh, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit, Proverbs 15, 4. And I yeah. thought, how often is my tongue not gentle, mm. and how does it break uh, the spirit of my wife or children or other people around me? And so that's what I was convicted of, and yeah. I think the the time of conviction is the time to act. Yeah. Um, and so I journal, and so I just journaled some confession there of ways that I had not bridled my tongue, ways I'd been it's angry. Great. And for me, writing is important yeah. to, to get it down and to yeah. be really clear about here are the ways I have fallen yeah. short. That's great. So I think that's been a useful one for me. But if you're journaling through Scripture, you will be convicted. Yeah. And it's important to write those things out and confess them there before God. Absolutely. And uh, because that's what keeps the relationship warm, and that's what keeps you sane. Yes. <laughs> as as you're being cleansed from from unrighteousness. That's I'd say good. too. I mean, the the liturgical prayers of the church are great for confession. Yeah. So many good prayers of confession have been written. If you just work through the Book of Common Prayer, a newer liturgical book like Every Moment Holy or something like that, th- there are all sorts of specific confessional prayers that have been written. Uh, that really hone in on the way pride works or anger works or any of these other sins work in our lives and really give us vocabulary for what we need to confess. And uh, often when I'm reading that, I thought, oh, yeah, I have totally done that. But yeah. I wouldn't, I don't know that I would have thought of it as a sin, but that is a sin. And, yeah. and so then I, that helps me, uh, people who have meditated deeply on Scripture, kind of help to guide me in what to confess. Yeah, that's I, good. I would say the other practice outside of a devotional time that's so important is when you know you've sinned, confess then. Yeah. Yeah. To quick, God. Quick confession. Quick confession. Yeah. And for some people, it's a daily office. You know, they'll take four times during the day to kind of pause and go, okay, what do I need to repent of? For me, it's just when you know it, pause and just say, Lord, I am sorry for that. I should yeah. not have done that. And and often that's what really helps me when my mind is spiraling and I know I'm in a bad place, to just bring God into the conversation, yeah. to just say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I, my mind should not go there, forgive me. And then the great thing about it, just like that, it just um, it snaps me back into reality. We used to call that spiritual breathing in, uh, in crew. Mm-hmm. Something Bill Bright taught us is exhale the impure, inhale the pure. Just, right. It's just instantaneous co- confession. And uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, and, and what I would say, too, is as you do that, it will be easier to confess sin to people in your own life. Absolutely, because you're aware of it. Because you're aware of it. And so as you build that habit of confessing before God, before anyone knows that you have sinned, yeah. when you do sin against others, it will be far easier to just own it immediately. Right. And and not um, go through the, the relitigating yeah. of the event or the denial or it's anything miser- else. Miserable. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just... It is. It just makes you feel worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. And I, the other thing I was going to point out, what you said about writing this down, it's great to go back and read those those notes in the future because you'll still be dealing with the same sin. 
And it's just a great reminder. Oh yeah, I remember when I was convicted of this and, and now I'm, I'm gonna learn from it again, all, all over again. Yeah. Even though that might not be a problem today, it might be a problem tomorrow. So it's just good to have that in the front of my mind. So I think keeping, keeping those notes you write and going back over them is really helpful. That's, that's helped me. It's actually been a real encouragement to me. I don't do it very often, but when I do look at journals I've read from years past, you see, man, this issue that was so pressing at the time and yeah. felt like I was never going to get any freedom from, well, a lot has changed since then. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it really puts in perspective your life, both the hardships, the troubles, the sins, the things that seemed so overwhelming at the time. You think, oh, wow. It's not really a thing anymore. Yeah, and yeah, and and, and, it, and it helps you to be prepared for the next thing you're going to go through. That's good. That it's not going to be as overwhelming. So, well, this is good, Dad. Hopefully, we've given you listeners something to to use here. Is there anything else you would have to add to this? I, I think I could summarize it with with Proverbs twenty eight thirteen: He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Hmm. And I think so often we we want God's hand of. of favor to be on us and and be prospering us and yet the, the reason we're not being prospered is not is is simply because we're not confessing our sins we're not we're not acknowledging we're not taking seriously the things God is serious about and so he's not taking seriously the things we're serious about so I think just getting into the habit of confessing and forsaking your sins on a day-to-day basis will change far more areas than you would ever imagine yeah. That's that's really good. I, I've noticed a trend, particularly in worship music recently. There are so many songs asking God to do the miraculous, to 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 send revival, to pour out his spirit, you know, to work in an unprecedented way. And that's great. I want to see all of those things happen. But what is the one thing other than prayer? Uh, asking God, we can do to 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 bring about revival. It's repentance yeah. in the Bible. And so the idea that we're going to see revival in our own lives apart from repentance is not a biblical idea. And until we grieve over our sin and cry out to God for, for his work in our lives and say, we have turned from you and, and, and bring us back to you. That is always the precondition for, for, for revival to experience that either personally or, or in a broader sense. And, and so if you want to experience the presence of God in your life, you, you cannot bypass this, step. And as Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven others. And so Jesus clearly um, thought that a common pattern of prayer for his followers would be confession of sin and restoration of relationship. So good. good. Well, thanks, Dad. Thank you. I've probably got a lot to confess, so uh, (laughs) should probably get to it. Always do. But thanks, and thank you, listeners, and we'll be back again with you soon.